Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we bring you your ABC's adventure, books, and conversation from 11,000 feet in the beautiful Eastern Sierra. I'm Christopher. I'm Stacy. And with us, as usual, is our producer, Doug, Digital Doug. Hey, Doug. Hey, hey Doug. guys. How's Good it going? Good morning. Doing great today. It's a beautiful day. It's another, sure is. another lousy day in paradise, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, even since our last episode, when we had that major snowstorm beforehand, a lot of that snow is still around and it just keeps everyone's, uh, it keeps many people's emotions, um, positive. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, and we're, you know, there might be some snow over the weekend, a little bit refresher snow, which would be, which would be nice. And yeah, it's just, it's going to be a beautiful weekend and. Yeah. Nice to get outside, not too cold. So, yeah. yeah so we re- again, we record this about a week, week and a half in advance. So hopefully there'll be some fresh snow that's still around by the time our listeners are getting to this and um, driving their way up to Mammoth or June or um, in the local area. So, so speaking of our listeners, <laughs> yes, I'm just going to jump right in there. I'm so excited. I want to say thank you to our listener, Kathleen from La Mesa. Yeah. down in San Diego County, who sent us a lovely email. And we just appreciate it so much. And she gave us some suggestions for, for books that we're going to look into. So thanks so much, Kathleen. And hope the next time you're uh, heading up to the Eastern Sierra, you'll let us know and we'll get to meet you in person. But we really do love the connection with you guys who listen and want to hear what you're thinking and you know, your thoughts for our show and book suggestions and adventure suggestions. So remember you can do that through our Instagram account at O2 starved. You can also email us through our website, oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thanks Kathleen. Speaking of driving Stace. Yes. My adventure, my, (laughs) my adventure for the next six months. (laughs) My youngest daughter, our youngest daughter, Tessa, got her driver's permit last week. Yay! And we're very proud of her. She was very excited. She yelled across the whole DMV, Mom, I passed! (laughs) (laughs) Really funny, really cute. Um, And so now, with the way they do driver's education now... Once you get your permit, you have to log so many hours behind the wheel. I think it's like 50 hours, five, zero hours behind the wheel with a parent or licensed driver. Um, Before you go and you take your driver's instruction with a teacher. (laughs) So they get the hard part out of the way with a family member with someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because of COVID, you know, they're trying to mitigate, you know, kids in cars with people who aren't their family members. You know, I, I'm not really sure. That's true. Yeah. So, um, but it's just so different, you know, it's different than it was with my, my middle child, my middle daughter, which, you know, she, 
got her license seven years ago. So, you know, things have changed since then. They've certainly changed since, you know, I was in high school and I had to go through driver's training was actually a class that you had to take. Right. I remember. As part of your, you know, graduation requirements. So, um, you know, now it's, it's quite different, (laughs) but she was very diligent about doing her, her coursework before she went to take her permit test and she had everything ready in a folder to take to the DMV. It was, it was, it was great. She really did a great job. And so go ahead. I'm sorry, just real quickly before you get to the driving part. Um, So kids these days don't have to watch those movies, those, those scary movies they used to show us in driver's ed to kind of, you know, scare you straight. Yeah. You you know, she did an online class. um, And so I, she did not mention having to watch something like, you know, blood on the freeway or whatever the hell, horrible <laughs> blood asphalt. Yeah. Blood asphalt, you know, um, death behind the wheel, uh, you know, all these horrible right. things that they s- use to scare you to death. Um, I don't know what kind of videos they showed or, or what have you. She didn't mention anything like that. So I don't think she did ha- have to watch anything like that, right. but it was, you know, it was a significant number of hours. I mean, she put a lot of time on the weekends, you know, mm-hmm. into, into getting all of that coursework done. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then every night she, after dinner, she'd sit with her phone and take these practice tests, yeah. um, you know, for her permit. So, you know, she, she was really well prepared for that. And so on Sunday, the weather was okay. So we took her out for our first, you know, jaunt behind the wheel onto the roads and, <laughs> snowy icy roads oh god you know it was and we you know we haven't let her drive on 395 yet right. you know we're trying to build a little capacity before we do that and you know she did she did pretty well she she we got to one place where there's a you know on Crawley Lake Drive where there's a stop sign mm-hmm. and she kind of roll stop finally stops the car where it's about mid the middle of the car is about parallel with the stop sign and we're mm-hmm. like no stop, stop. <laughs> well she goes well i stopped and we're like yes stopping in the middle of the intersection is not the idea <laughs> <laughs> that's she's she's perfecting the california stop though, yeah right? exactly right so, you know, she got a little shaken up by that, and but she regrouped and, you know, we kept going another little while and the next stop sign she did just fine. And when, when I took her back again to do that same little route on Tuesday, she did a very good job and Great. definitely improved in her control. And, but, you know, all the parents, all of our listeners out there who are parents who have had kids go through this process, you know what it's like. And, you know, I entirely, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm going to have to get my roots done on, you know, like double (laughs) every other week now. (laughs) Well, you're earning your, your stripes while she's earning hers. You know, I, I just remember you mentioned it because when I was in high school, we had to take the class too, you know, and they showed the Mm -hmm. movies and we had to do time in the car with the instructor and the car was some massive seventies behemoth that had a Mm -hmm. break on the instructor's side. And, you know, I just remember even at the time thinking, 
thank God I'm I'm doing this in the Eastern Sierra where there are so many just empty roads. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I couldn't imagine what it would have been like as a teen learning to drive in LA or San Francisco or or one of those more urban places where there's actual traffic around you, you know? Well, and how we how we did it back in in Illinois, <laughs> there were three kids oh, in the yeah. car, and we would all take turns oh, yeah. driving, you know. And um, yeah, and our our the the guy that I can't remember his name, but the guy who was our instructor, he did not have a lot of patience. <laughs> I. It, he was so scary, but Uh-oh. you know, it's a rite of passage for sure. And yeah, um, I, you know, in a way I'll be, um, you know, thrilled for her when, <clears throat> excuse me, when she gets her license, I'll, you know, it'll be such a happy day. But on the other hand, it'll be, you know, that much more of a, a worry when your kids are out there. And as Tessa said, I'm going to be independent. Well, <laughs> yeah. Aww. And that's, you know, brings with it a whole bunch of other challenges. But, so <laughs> listeners, if you're, if you're driving up to uh, mammoth and you, you see a, f- a freaked out parent and a little kid and a Honda pilot, <laughs> white Honda pilot, you'll know it's me. So just slow <laughs> down. Stay, stay 12 car <laughs> stay lengths clear. behind. Yeah, exactly. It's not easy. You know, I mean, there are mountain roads and there's snow and there's ice and then there's skiers and what have you. So I'm really, I'm really glad for Tessa and, um, wish her, wish her and your Honda pilot the best through this whole process. Thank you very much. (laughs) And listeners, we will be right back with our book section. Ample oxygen is a basic requirement for human molecular metabolism. Welcome back, listeners. We have arrived at the book segment. One, two, three, cheer. Yay! Yay. At least we're synchronous on the cheer. (laughs) Listeners, we're going to keep working on it. I promise you. (laughs) So this week for our book conversation, we each chose a book in the young adult genre. And, you know, we've done this before. The young adult genre of of literature has exploded, right. I think, in the last you know ten years or so. Would you is, mm-hmm. is that about right, Christopher? Oh yeah, absolutely. So much great stuff is being published there. Yeah, and it's and you know it's a lot of fun. It you know they these books can have some some weight and gravitas to them, and yeah. um, I I find when we, when we do this genre, I really enjoy it. So I'll start out with the book that I chose. And this is a brand new book that was just released uh, in January of 2021. Awesome. It's called Pudge and Prejudice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And it's written by Allison or A.K. Pittman. Um, And um, Allison Pittman is a uh, well-published author. She's published 13 books. She's very popular in the, the Christian literature mm-hmm. um, genre. This is not a, of that genre. This is mm-hmm. just a straight, you know, kind of straight young adult novel. Mm-hmm. And obviously from the title, you can tell this is an homage to Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. You know, that's a whole industry unto itself, right? I, it really, <laughs> it, I have discovered through my research, it really is. And, you know, I'm in, embarrassed to say this and I'm going to have to make a point like if we do any uh literature of that ilk 
this year. I have never read Pride and Prejudice. So, <laughs> so we should do that. We'll do Pride and Prejudice and we'll pair it with like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies or one of those, you know, spin-offs. Yes. We need we need to do that for sure. Sorry, so, I'm digressing us. Go ahead. No, that's okay. So I love that idea, by the way. Um, so this book is set in 1984 in small town, Texas. So immediately, you know, when I saw that, you know, that it was set in 1984, I thought, oh, you know, nostalgia, right? right? You know, um, because that was when I was growing up. And right. so a fam, this family who has five daughters, just like in Pride and Prejudice, they move from Arizona to a very small town in Texas. So as you might imagine, you know, small towns in Texas, Friday night lights, pageants, beautiful girls, you know, that, that kind of whole, that whole thing. And sure enough, in this town, you know, that's, what everybody's about. It's about, you know, how much money does your daddy have and what clothes you wear and how pretty you are and do you play football or not? Right. Right. And so uh, in this family, the, the two older daughters, uh, Jane is the oldest who is, you know, beautiful. And then there's Elise, the next daughter who is while very smart and witty and funny, she is slightly overweight. So mm-hmm. she doesn't, you know, she doesn't fit into that, you know, upper echelon of the high school crowd, you know, mm-hmm. right away. And so, you know, they have to navigate the challenges of moving to a new high school mm-hmm. in the small town. And Jane immediately starts dating the, the, the star, you know, a star football player, Charlie Bingley, who's very wealthy and good looking and Elise, she starts this love-hate relationship with Charlie's best friend, Billy Fitz is mm-hmm. his name. And he is, he is not just the star of the football team. He is the hero of the town. You know, Billy Fitz yeah. is everything. They name milkshakes and sandwiches and have right. discount night movie theater, you know, for him. And so... You know, the the whole crux of the novel centers around Elise and, you know, trying to navigate uh, this relationship and, and trying to fit in at this school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and then, you know, there's some side side little stories of her other sisters and her parents and whatnot. But, you know, the themes that the book touches on, of course, you know, class and wealth and what you have and what you don't Mm -hmm. Um, body image is definitely touched on, um, you know, and, and learning to accept yourself for who you are. Right. Um, and it was very, it was approachable. It moved quickly. Every chapter starts with a a word, like a definition of a kind of a word that Jane Austen might've used. And then, Let me interrupt here. A definition. Is this a dictionary book? No, not at all. (laughs) Because remember, that was almost a theme for 2021. It's it's so true, right? But no, this this does not fit into that category. It's just like the heading at the top of the chapter. Like, you know, there's there's a definition. And then she puts it. The author puts that that word in a sentence, like from the novel, which <laughs> okay. you know, like how the character would use that that word, you okay. know. So, 
it's very cute. It's yeah. very cute. But, you know, there were just such fun little um, hints of what life was like back in 1984, you know, before social media where, right. you know, and this is, this is a quote from the author in an interview. She says that pre-social media, if a guy and a girl wanted to talk to each other, they had to talk. Voices on a telephone visits on a front porch, walks to and from school. With the exception of the telephone, the channels for courtship in the 80s were exactly the same as in Austin's time, right down to the letters. And, you know, that reading that made me really think about how when I was in high school, that was what we did. We talked on the phone right. and we wrote notes. Right, totally. Right? You know, passing notes between classes that was like, oh, you know, does does he like me or do you know what do you, you know does he say anything to you? Write me back. You know, W slash B was like everything. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the first like LOL, you know, or right? Whatever, right? Yeah. That's so funny. I mean, it's true, right? And well up into the nineties, Wills and I often talk about we can't get divorced because neither of us would know how to meet someone in the social media world. It's true. Yeah. Same, same is true for Joe and I, for sure. I mean, you know, we, we dated dirt, you know, when you still had tapes for your phone machine. Yes, exactly. And you made mixed tapes, you know, rather than Spotify Yep. That's talked about in the book and, you know, Bonnie Bell lip gloss, which is still my favorite. Still love those lip smackers. Um, (laughs) Didn't hear of that one, but it sounds very Texas. Oh, it was, you know, you know what, yeah, this, this also reminds me of, um, you know, Pittman, including a, a character that doesn't have, you know, kind of like the ideal body um, and body image books and how those are also beginning to come out more just in regular adult novels, too. And I'm thinking yeah. of two authors, Olivia Wade and Talia Hibbert, who write rom-coms and romance novels. You find them in a lot of libraries and where one or the other or both in the couple um, aren't that, you know, size two, right. you know, Cinderella or Prince Charming kind of yeah. looking person. They're an average looking person with the average looking right. problems or Jennifer, issues or, yeah. Jennifer Weiner, Weiner, however you say her last name, she writes a lot about those kinds of characters too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, so this was Pudge and Prejudice and it was great. And so if you're looking for a fun young adult read or want to recommend it to the young adult in your life, I hope you will. And Christopher, tell us about what you read. Sure. So I, um, chose another young adult author, Tracy Chi. She's a young Japanese American author and she's probably most well-known for three fantasy novels that she's written, one of which is called The Reader. Last year, uh, late last year, she came out with just a straight-up historical fiction novel called We Are Not Free. And this came from her family stories and, and what have you. It was inspired by, I should say, of her grandparents who met in a Japanese relocation camp in ni- in the 1940s. So, Stace, you and I have talked about at some upcoming adventure, we should go down to Manzanar and really right. explore that for the podcast. And this is kind of like, I'm just setting this up as kind of a precursor for that. Because <laughs> this YA novel is really about uh, a group of teens, 14 teens, who all are growing up together in Japantown in San Francisco in the 1940s. And then in 1942, they get relocated. 
Um, and that whole process that they go through from uh, just after Pearl Harbor and they suddenly find themselves targets in their neighborhoods and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, white people, white kids are chasing them down and beating them up. And the Chinese Americans are putting, we are American and wearing, you know, we are Chinese or we are not Japanese buttons, those kinds of things right. that happened and how very quickly just things snowballed and, um, whole families and neighborhoods were rounded up and sent off to detention centers. So what was interesting about this book, it's a very, obviously a very serious topic. Um, But Tracy paints it through very compelling voices of 14 individual teens. And each chapter pretty much is a different teen's voice. They're all in the story together and they reappear throughout from beginning to end. But each chapter, they each kind of get their own voice. And, And each chapter is also chronologically leading you through from 1942 um, through to the end. So, uh, you know, the first chapter is this young uh, 13, 14-year-old kid, Minnow, uh, Mineral, who it really likes to draw. He's like mm-hmm. a graphic artist. He's like, he carries around a sketchbook and he's always drawing. And, you know, he's the first, he's the first chapter where, you know, you, you kind of understand the fear that some of these kids are experiencing because they're beginning to get targeted by kids who used to be their friends in school. And he's noticing, she uses his personality to notice the way Japanese are, were portrayed as the enemy, the enemy Japs in propaganda and posters and pamphlets and what have you. They were very strongly caricatured, you know, and clearly not in a respectful way. Right. As we would expect. And he, gets jumped by some kids, gets mugged, kind of gets messed up um, before he's rescued by some of his his uh, family and friends. And he, near the end of the first chapter, he looks in the mirror and he realizes one of his eyes is swollen and almost swollen shut so that there's just a slit that he can see through. And he remarks to himself how now that eye looks like one of those caricatures that he saw oh, wow. on a poster. And that's kind of like the powerful launch into the story. And then the next story, you know, the next chapter, another kid takes up the voice and <clears throat> is talking about, you know, how every, you know, how they're being pushed out of their neighborhood and sent off to a relocation camp. The first step of which is at a racetrack. Each family is given a horse stall to live in. And, um, you know, all the typical teenage emotions and reactions you would have to that, what you're giving up, what you're keeping and what have you. And, and it's not just a morality tale here. It's about a teen going through what teens would normally be going through, going through hormonal changes. You're not really agreeing or understanding with your parents and other adults. And then you have this massive thing that's put on everyone and you're really just struggling with it. So you know, each chapter is, is a different teen's take. And some of them are much more lighthearted. Some of them are, there's one where there's this young, beautiful teenage girl and she's got a crush on a handsome teenage boy. And it's very much a story about how she, she wants to dance with him at one of the dances. <laughs> it's just that the backdrop at that point is they're in a detention camp in Utah. Right. So, you know, it adds just another layer of thought. And, you know, what was interesting to me, she, Tracy was very upfront in, in her interviews um, that, you know, 
she learned about her grandparents' story, uh, you know, as a kid, not as a really young kid, because mm-hmm. they didn't really talk about it as a family. Um, but then her grandfather was given an honorary high school diploma from the high school he would have graduated from wow. had he not been relocated. <clears throat> and his comment at the time was, where were all the bleeding hearts in 1942? You know, mm, yeah. and he, you know, he's kind of saying it maybe half joking and ruefully, but she took that to heart and that's, you know, um, lived in her head for a very long time until she wrote this book as kind of a way to get the story out there. And a lot of what she writes apparently is pulled from family stories. She interviewed older members of her family who were beginning to, you know, reach an age where you got to get their, their information. And, um, that fed a lot of the writing of these 14 teen stories. And that makes it very compelling. It makes it feel very real. Um, and again, I, 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 you know, I want to call this an important book, but I, I don't like using that phrase because it shies people away from reading it. It makes them think it's just a classroom assignment. Well, book. yeah, well, let me, I, that was my, my question for you was would, would, if I were a, an eighth grade middle school English teacher, would you recommend this as a, as a book for my students? I absolutely would. However, (laughs) I would also, if I were a bookseller or a librarian, recommend it as a book, a kid who is looking for something interesting and compelling to read. Um, Mm -hmm. so, because there are those, just those teen voices and, and they're very authentic. Tracy is still very young herself. You know, she's experienced in writing uh, in the teen genre, so she knows what resonates. And so it doesn't get so heavy or so preachy or so bogged down that it, it becomes impossible to read. It's, it's very compelling to read. Again, they're just, they're teens. They're having crushes. Right. They're being moody. They're, they're learning for the first time as many of us did at teenagers that adults don't know everything and can't solve everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think this is a, it's a really good book. It's been on a number of honor lists. She, I think will sit alongside farewell to Manzanar, which has been on lists for decades now, right? right. That came out in the seventies. And, and is a book that, that many eighth grade classes, particularly in California read. Of course, right, because yeah. it's California-based. Right. And in fact, you know, there's a reference to the Owens Valley Relocation Center early on in this book, but they actually, mm-hmm. the families get sent to Tule Lake and um, Topaz in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as you're, as, well, ahead. as you're talking about this, I, you know, I'm reminded of the book by Jamie Ford, The Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet. Oh, right. Which, which isn't necessarily a young adult book. It's an adult book, but it focuses on these young people that are in the midst of the relocation and right um and all of that so i i feel like there's a tie between you know they're they kind of similar themes but i think one one thing that really strikes me about um about uh we are not free is the you know that you said that not every single chapter is as heavy and um you know, it, that it kind of, you hear the different voices and then the, the different levels of, of lightness or, or weight, um, that probably makes it really approachable for kids. 
Yeah. And I think it, as well, you know, this is a book I think adults could read too. I read a mm-hmm. lot of young adult and we talk about that, how there's yep. a lot of crossover. Yeah. And, you know, so bringing up Jamie Ford's book is a, is a great thing. It, it, it kind of points to something that I love about good historical fiction, which is that um, so many of the themes in this book are universal and, you know, would easily be discussed in the framework of current conversations about what's happening in the U S around racism and social justice. And, you know, just, you know, when a major crisis happens, like a global pandemic, how does humanity respond? Well, in some cases it goes above and beyond. In other cases, it really sinks to its lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. And this is a similar experience, right? Right. And it, well, and giving kids that opportunity, right. To see that this is, this these conversations go all the way back in our history. They do. They're they're universal and and timeless. Even though this is a fairly recent one, this there are still you know many people right. alive who were relocated in World War II, and yeah. you know my own family and your family too have had these experiences, right? My right. mother remembers having a Mickey Mouse gas mask from World War II. Those are things that you kids <laughs> right. should never experience that. Right. But um, they're, they're just things that, that happen over and over and over again. And, and when we get complacent, um, we forget it, right? And and so I this is We Are Not Free by T- Tracy Chi. I could talk on and on and on about this book, but I really just would encourage our listeners, especially our listeners with teenagers um, or people who are interested in this topic, to pick it up and give it a read. Definitely. We ended on kind of a heavy note there, but they're both really great books. And um, we hope that people will pick them up. And you can find them in your libraries and your bookstores. We'll be right back. You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, Adventure, Books and conversations from 11,000 feet, originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. Just make sure you find us. Welcome back, listeners. We are at the C portion of our podcast, the conversation portion, where we bring you some local individuals who contribute to the unique work, life, live, lifestyle, play lifestyle of the Eastern Sierra. And today we're really pleased and honored to have with us uh, Will and Rebecca Clayton from Bridgeport, who recently opened the Growler's Eatery up there. So, hey, you guys, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Hi, thank you. (laughs) Um, and you know i follow your instagram account with the library and i follow a lot of bridgeport businesses just because there's such a vibrant little town there's a lot going on there um so i wanted to kind of learn more about that but before we get into the business can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves are you from the area or did you move here um uh, how are you in bridgeport well i I grew up in uh, the Central Valley over in Modesto, uh-huh. and uh, I was actually working for the state and had the opportunity to come up to Bridgeport and the Eastern Sierra working on the uh, trout streams. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, through the state. So uh, that got me up here, and uh, I've been coming up here since I was you know, probably six years old with my dad uh, camping and hiking, fishing, just exploring uh-huh. the area. So that's... That's about how I got up here, and I I just love it. Yeah, and what right. What about you? What about you, Rebecca? 
Um, I grew up down in LA and we would always visit Mammoth every summer and winter. Um, so after college, I just knew I wanted to move up here and um, I ended up getting a job at Lakeview Lodge and Levining and I worked at Lumi Bean for a summer. Wow. Um, and then I eventually met Will who lived in Bridgeport and then that's how I ended up in Bridgeport. I had never been to Bridgeport before. We went to Mammoth and Bodie and all that. can you guys talk a little bit for our listeners who may not be as familiar with bridgeport itself what can you just describe it a little bit for those folks yeah uh, bridgeport is just a little small quaint town we have a a population of right around 600 people and uh we have the sawtooth right across the big meadow Mm -hmm. and just beautiful views and right on the back side is yosemite right right awesome we have uh just killer places to recreate any you know anything from boating fishing hiking camping there's so much to do it's it's pretty amazing little quaint small town that that you I just can't get enough of it's it's awesome <laughs> and talk, talk can you talk about the difference between in Bridgeport in the summer versus Bridgeport in the winter oh yeah it's it's pretty night and day. <laughs> I mean, you could probably go out in the middle of 395 on most weeknights and have a poker game and not have a car go by. In the winter, yeah. In the winter. (laughs) (laughs) In the summer, it's a hopping place. There's so many people traveling through, you know, up and down the 395 corridor, uh, going back and forth from Tahoe, Mammoth, LA. You know, people are just traveling all over the place and it turns into a, a pretty happening little town. And especially this summer, more and more people kept going to camp to escape the cities. And Right. Right. You know, so, I, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say Bridgeport Summer 4th of July Parade. Everyone's got to go do that once in their lifetime, oh, at abs- least. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's on a, week, a weekend, it's, it's so busy sometimes. It's hard to walk down the sidewalk. Yeah, it's, totally. It's crazy with the street fair and the, like you said, the parade, there's the rodeo, um, the race up at twin lakes. Yeah. All on oh, the right. Yeah. So you guys, when, in our, in our pre-show, you were telling us that you opened your, your restaurant in the, in the brewery on June 19th of 2020. So tell us about that journey, what that's been like. Oh, that it's been a real interesting uh, venture, especially opening this year with everything that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we partnered up with uh, the Big Meadow Brewing Company here in Bridgeport, and they didn't have any um, food to offer of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and with all the new rules and regulations, uh, they Which, had to had to have food uh, just to be able to serve right. uh, beer. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually in the process of trying to open up a restaurant themselves, but are just so busy with, uh, as Jim and Rose Lyerly just, uh, uh, trying to keep up with the production of their, uh, brewery. And, uh, I just so happened to have some time and the know-how to get involved and, uh, start up my own place. So it's really, really helped them out. And it's really, I don't know, it's, it's given the locals and people traveling through just another option in the, in our little town. So it's, it's been awesome. So that's, that's called the growlers, right? 
Yeah, Growler's Eatery. Growler's Eatery, and it's right adjacent to Big Meadow Brewing. Yeah, we're actually connected. We have a common wall, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it, there's an order window, so you go into the, the back of the brewery uh, where you enter, mm-hmm. and up to the window, order your food, and we hand it right through. And re- unfortunately, right now, it's takeout only. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have beers to go, and there's so many places to go have a nice little picnic. Uh, people have been coming in, getting their food to go, grabbing a – a couple pints and uh <laughs> <laughs> and so what what kind of food do you do y'all serve that's uh, pretty much traditional american food very small menu and we mm-hmm. do run specials often uh but just burgers i've got a brat and quite a few sides just just good pairing to go with uh their beer nice got, you know, pretzel with beer cheese and i've got a fully loaded tot and and nice. uh, and every Saturday, I actually barbecue. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that's great. Even in the winter? All winter long, I've been barbecuing every weekend. So, <laughs> Wow. So, so listeners, just really quickly to point out, um, some of the places in Bridgeport close in the winter time. So it's nice that there's this restaurant open during winter, right? Was that a conscious choice on your guys' port? Absolutely. Absolutely. We wanted to provide, you know, a service to people to – to have a place to go because there's only two places to get a meal, our place right. and one other. And then you have a couple, you got a place to get basically a, a two places to get deli sandwiches. Right. And that's about it. Well, that, that's just awesome. We're Christopher, you know, we're, we're, we are traveling through there and so <laughs> we, now we have the excuse to stop. To stop by. <laughs> so but Re- Rebecca, you, you, I, you are a teacher for the Eastern Sierra School District. Yes. And but you have some other things that you do also. You're I don't you must have more hours in the day than most people. <laughs> um Yeah, I did run the Foxton, which was a local art shop. Mm-hmm. Um, the physical store closed in 2020 um and I continued with my online store which did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't decided yet what I want to, how I want to continue the Fox Den. If I want to continue the Fox Den, um, I was thinking maybe doing pop-up shops this summer, mm-hmm. um, because there's so many talented, amazing artists in the Eastern Sierra. And, um, it was just a great way to showcase them. Um, I had so much fun meeting them. We offered art classes at the Fox Den. So I want to find some way to continue it. I just don't have a plan really yet. Mm-hmm. Well, y- your store had beautiful things. Yeah. So. I, I like shopping there. Yeah. And I want to say um, with Growlers, for me, yeah, we, we were scared <laughs> opening a business. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But it's also just so exciting creating a business and um, creating the feeling behind the business. And like Will said, um, our decision to keep the menu pretty simple, but to focus on like fresh ingredients. Um quality over quantity. And really, Will is a one-man show, especially in the winter. <laughs> He's back at the grill, taking orders, doing everything in the winter. So um, the, the small menu has worked out really well. <laughs> you know, your story, it reminds us of other stories. You know, we've had on uh, um, Scott and Irie from Walker Coffee Company, who started their business recently up in Little Adelope Valley. And we've had Steve and Amy from Rock Creek Lake Lodge, who are another you know young couple, and what you're describing is just kind of like a very Eastern Sierra rural business story of you just kind of put 
all of yourself into it to make it work, right? That's yeah. it. Yeah, and we're lucky to have amazing partners with Big Meadow Brewing Code. Um, Jim and Rose are just awesome to work with. So that's what also makes it successful. Oh, true. <laughs> we're a team. <laughs> you know, it's so great. Um, and again, I just can't, you know, I, I just love Bridgeport. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, I'm a history buff. I love going there. It's, it's the county seat. There's the old courthouse that's there and the old jail and stuff like that. So I love pulling off of 395 there and just exploring that, that little town, which you can walk in a couple of hours. You know, you guys live there. Is there something unexpected or unique about it that probably most people don't know about that you wish that they did? Oh, man. There's all sorts of little little things around town that you can find that people just don't know the history of. It's mm-hmm. so full of history. Like the one cool little tidbit is um, the, the store uh, adjacent to Ken's Sporting Goods in the mm-hmm. upstairs used to be the courthouse before the courthouse was even there while they were building it. Oh really? So that wow. store is the store is older than the courthouse then. Yes. The gift shop side of Ken's, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, I never knew that. Yeah, so that, <laughs> I didn't either. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so the courtroom was upstairs of the uh gift shop. Oh, that's fascinating. Wow. Yeah, see it's just like that old little old west kind of kind of town sitting in a massive valley surrounded by beautiful mountains. Absolutely. So you guys are so, so busy with everything that you do. And, and, you know, I, I know what a commitment it is to, to run a restaurant when you do have some free time. What, what do you all, are you still getting out there to hike and fish? And yeah, we, we try to get out as, you know, as much as we can. I'm, I'm a huge, huge fisherman uh-huh. and, uh, and my wife is a road runner, so she's always out on the trail running around somewhere. <laughs> that was my one requirement. I remember telling my cross-country coach in college, he was asking me about life after college, where I'd end up. And I said, my only requirement is to be able to walk out my front door and be on a trail. <laughs> and so I checked that box. Definitely check that box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you do the Ridge Rambler run? Is that it? Yes, I started the Ridge Rambler Half Marathon this is going to be four years ago now. Great. Um, that's the last Saturday of September every year. And I've just gotten amazing feedback and reviews on that race and the course. It starts up at Twin Lakes and then wow. um, they run down to Buckeye Road. And so they're running around along the ridge of Buckeye Road with amazing views of Bridgeport Valley. Um, so that's been really fun to organize too. I'm already starting planning for this year's race. Awesome. And will there, of course, the Twin Lakes are great fishing spots up there just west of Bridgeport. Um, are there any other kind of hidden fishing spots you'd recommend, or do you want to keep those to yourself? <laughs> well, there's a few I'll always keep in my back pocket. But uh, no, you know, the Bridgeport Reservoir and uh, uh, the East Walker River are really my favorite places to fish. Really? But, yeah. The, and I'm, I'm a huge fly fisherman. So. If it's on the river, I get that moving water, and it's it's it, it, that's just a big release for me, right? Yeah, unwind. Sometimes I'll just kick back and I'll grab one of the brewery's beers and go down there and sit and just watch the water. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's beautiful. beautiful. I was it's about to say, a- yeah, it's it, it's it's just so 
beautiful. And, and when you're down there on the river, it's pretty awesome because there's so many spots where you can, you can just sit and either fish or just watch the river. And then you have the sawtooth ridge in the background. Right. As you, yeah. as you up, and it is just amazing. Yeah. And so Rebecca, have you picked up fly fishing as well? No, I leave that. To <laughs> I sit on the bank and knit and watch him oh, fish. Perfect. um, before we opened growler's eatery we would always hang out at the brewery and uh rose and jim are our good friends and um i hosted some we called them byop nights bring your own project nights oh wow nice so we had this amazing group of people coming and just kind of bringing any project some were knitting some crochet some painting Mm -hmm anything and so that was a really fun thing um in town especially we did it in the winters yeah we'd all meet and do that that's That's awesome awesome. are you are you still are you doing any of that virtually now or um i'm not i know another lady in town she's kind of organizing um zoom meetings for it um i'm honestly kind of over being on the computer (laughs) (laughs) i haven't joined in on that but they are continuing them So, (laughs) you know, I, I work with the Mono Arts Council and it is one of the things that I wish more people knew about this area. Every community in Mono County has this hidden population of very creative people. And it's great that they get together to do stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny. It's good to know that you're a knitter. That was one thing that I picked up during the pandemic. And oh, really? I'm just learning, so I might have to come to you for help. <laughs> I love it. I would love to help you. I um I teach my students how to knit, my fifth and sixth oh, grade. Oh, awesome. And it's amazing how quickly they picked it up. <laughs> They're knitting beanies already. I'm like, guys, it took me a year and a half to learn. <laughs> well, you're it in a few months. I'm like, you're a good oh. teacher. That's yeah. so great. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Just yes. go with it. <laughs> so, um, you know, one question we always ask our guests, um, because we like to point out that people in our area um, aren't just creative. They're also readers and, and what have you. Um, do you guys have a, you know, a favorite book or two or three that you want to share with our listeners? Sure. Um, well, I've got a couple of, of my books that that have uh, that just stuff that I'm really into. Yep. So one is it's called Hatches, and it's a it's a guide to the basically the ecology of the bug world and and the North American rivers. So oh wow! It, it, it kind of goes through all the different lives life cycles of uh, the bugs that hatch and what what all the trout basically eat around here and anywhere in North America. So. So is that like, um, like it don't mayflies start as larvae in the rivers and yeah, yeah, most bugs do. So, and it it goes through their complete life cycle when, from when they're living in the water to when they hatch and they fly around and breed and then go back and relay their eggs. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really, really cool book. If you're into, into bugs anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll leave that to Will. (laughs) Well, and if you're tying flies, it probably is good to know what kind of bugs you're doing. What oh, else? And then I, I, you know, I picked up. I'm kind of a a birder also. Uh huh. And uh, we made a trip to uh, Ireland last year, and I picked up uh, the Birds of Ireland, the field guide, and uh, I've been really enjoying it. And the birds are are so similar, but very different in a lot of different in in so many ways. 
And it's cool to check out our birds and compare them to the birds of Ireland. So in, is there a way or, or two that you can kind of talk about in the way that they're similar but different? Well, like, um, for example, we'll have a – there's a pink-footed goose in Ireland. Uh-huh. And we have a what we call a white-fronted or speckled belly goose here in the States. And you look at them and they're, they're so similar, but their sizes and, uh, and their habits are quite different. Yeah. So it, if you were to see one, most people would hear, they'd be like, oh, that's a, that's just a speckled belly goose. Right. But it's not. So, <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you going to ever do a big year? Uh, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> I'd rather do a big year of fishing than than birding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Priority. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Fish come first. Fish come yes. first, but but I'm, I am a big like waterfowl kind of buff. So that's another thing that I really enjoy doing when I'm out on the you know out fishing is right. I get enjoy mm-hmm. all, all the birds too. Yeah. No. That's that's a an important thing about living here, especially if you're outdoors, we've had guests tell us before, you know, like butterfly guides and, and, um, animal guides and stuff like that, because we are, we're outside so much. So it's much. it's a great to appreciate who we're sharing that environment with. Yeah, absolutely. And so Rebecca earlier in our, in this episode, uh, Christopher and I were discussing recent young adult novels that we we've, we've just read. What what is a, a novel or a book you love to share with your students? Um, let's see. I always love. Well, this year was the first year. Um, I actually read Freak the Mighty with my students. Have you heard of that? No. What is that? Okay. Um, my kids really loved it. It's an older book too. Um, it's about these two kind of misfits in school that uh, get together and create this amazing bond and this amazing friendship. And they kind of complement each other. One of the friends um, has a disability um, and has a rather small stature. And then the other uh, character, Max, um, he is kind of a, the kids call him a giant. And so they (laughs) they go on these adventures and these quests um, and, that you just kind of find, um, what would you say? Like, uh, their, their friendship just adds a lot to their lives and helps sure. them get yeah. through tough times. And yeah, I was surprised the kids really, really got into it so far. They said that's their favorite book we've read this year. Oh, well, I love when that happens. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm writing it down cause I want to research yes. it now. It sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. So freaking mighty. Freak, freak the mighty. Freak the mighty. Oh, I see it by Rodman Philbrick. Okay, cool. We'll we will link all three of these books, listeners, on our podcast page so that you don't have to write them down. Um, so you can come back and find them on your own and get them from your local library or your local bookstore. Um, so they all three sound good for different reasons. Yeah, and Freak the Mighty. It's kind of written in an informal tone. It's from the perspective of Max, which I think the kids really kind of right. They related to the tone it was written in. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, they really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's Sometimes it can be hard to get the right book for that age group, right? Yes. Yeah, middle school, seventh, eighth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you never know. It's, it's always a crapshoot. Yeah. What's going to resonate and what's not. And 
Yeah. And I remember being really nervous before reading the book with them. Like, Are they going to like this? I don't know. But then they loved it. <laughs> so you just never know. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's hard to find a book these days, too, that hasn't been already made into a movie that they've seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, you guys, this has been so great having you on today. One one more time, uh, give our list, tell our listeners the name of your restaurant and the hours and where they can find you. Well, we're located right smack dab in the middle of uh, Bridgeport, almost across from the uh, courthouse, and um, or Growler's Eatery, uh, connected to the Big Meadow Brewing Company, and. Our winter hours are Tuesday through Saturday, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 2 to 6, and Thursday through Saturday, uh, 12 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And don't forget, we do do barbecue every Saturday. Brilliant. I'm not not too sure what our hours are going to change to come uh, a little bit later in the year once our season picks up, but we'll definitely have longer hours. Great. And do you guys have a website? We have Facebook, we have Instagram, um, and we're on Google, the Google business. Great. We will we'll put, put the, we'll put those on our webpage. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, sure. Thank Thank you. so much for having us. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. your time with your busy schedule. We really appreciated it. And listeners, we really appreciate your time to join us today. Um, for another episode of the Op- Oxygen Starve podcast, please remember you can find us on our Instagram page, O2Starved, or email us at oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and we appreciate your support. Have a great week. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Starved. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod in Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.